Twitter Tuesday on a Friday. Yep, you've got it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Your questions are coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana, and thank you so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And today's episode is brought to you in part by McDonald's, proudly surfing community since 1965. McDonald's is a great place to get tasty, affordable food for just about any taste, any diet, whatever you're craving, they have it. McDonald's, I am loving it. All right. We have a special edition of Twitter Tuesday. We're doing it here on a Friday um, because we had on Tuesday, uh, the day after the game, we had Monday night football. So that kind of pushed everything around a little bit on the schedule. But I have about nine questions that you've submitted via Twitter as well as via email. And we are going to roll through all nine of them and get those answered as best as we can. So let's get started. All right. Up first, we hear from Jeremy Davis, who wants to know, do the Giants need a new medical and training staff? And what's going on with all these injuries? Jeremy, just so you're aware, with the medical staff, I think the way it's working in football which is a little different than how, you know, maybe you and I might approach going to a doctor. The medical staff is there to treat a problem that already exists, not necessarily um, prevent a problem. That said, the injuries that are popping up, um, that is partially on the um, the strength and conditioning staff. Um, you can make an argument that it's on some of the training training staff especially if they misjudge an injury, but when it comes to the injuries. Here's the thing. And somebody was kind enough to post this comment to my YouTube page. Um, when I put out basically a, a general inquiry, why all these injuries happen. And um, I think it was a chiropractor that posted this and his theory was that the lower body injuries, you know, the hamstrings and the quads and the calves was a result of players having to stop and start as as frequently as they do. Like, for example, you look at the injuries and what position groups are being hit by them. The tight ends and the receivers are dealing with the hamstrings and the the calf injuries and, and that sort of thing. That could be from, you know, starting and stopping, going from zero to 60 or zero to 100 in the snap of fingers. Now, the turned ankles, that could also be because of the turf. You know, they do practice on the grass field. And sometimes, you know, if the grass is a little soft and you take the wrong step, you can turn your ankle. Some of that could be due to the turf. I mean, there are any number of reasons why. And then I have often speculated as to whether or not the team or some of the players overtrain because as I've made the the uh, comparison before when you take a rubber band and you keep stretching it and unstretching it stretching it unstretching it eventually you're going to weaken that rubber band and it's going to tear or it's going to snap so 
there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, if there was, I think the Giants would have figured it out by now and done something about it. But what remains true is that the Giants, at least this year, one of the top three most injured teams in the NFL. And it's not just this year. This has been a trend going on now for several years. And nobody seems to have an answer to it. I've often wondered why the Giants don't hire like a director of sports science or some someone, you know, to that degree that can maybe look after some of that stuff. I mean, I, I wonder about that. Um, but uh, yeah, injuries, they, they, they've been pretty bad this year. But that said, you know, good coaching can help overcome a lot of that. And you look at the Titans, you look at the Ravens, two teams that have been injured a lot this year, like the Giants, and they're doing pretty well. So uh, I don't think we can use injuries as an excuse. All right. This next Twitter question comes from Guacamodo. Wants to know, um, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is under contract till the end of 2023. I think the Giants should send a second round pick to the Dolphins to get Flores then extend his contract for five full years and increase his pay from $3.5 million to $5 million. Thoughts? Um, no. I don't understand where you're coming from on that question. I mean, I, I'm not sure what you're thinking with that question. I mean, if you want to drop, drop me an email and explain that a little bit more, why you're thinking that. Because right now I'm like, I'm really failing to, to grasp what your logic is behind even asking that question. Um, but just based on the surface, no, I, I, it makes no sense. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it making any sense. A second round pick for a head coach, you need that pick. This team is not exactly, you know, one or two players away. So why would you want to trade your top, you know, top three assets for a coach? All right. Up next from Twitter, we hear from Tom who says, this may sound like a stupid question, but does Coach Judge have too many voices in his head this year? <laughs> I don't, I, I know what you mean, Tom, but I I, I had a laugh because I'm, I'm thinking of too many voices. I'm thinking of, you know, just Judge sitting in his office and he's got voices coming in and out of his ears and stuff like that. I'm sorry, I have to laugh about this. You know, if, if I don't laugh, I'll go insane with how this season is going. But I get your point. And it's actually something I spoke about and wondered about myself. Now, Judge, for those who don't know, has one of the biggest coaching staffs in the NFL. Matter of fact, I think his coaching staff is probably bigger than that of Bruce Arians down in uh, Tampa Bay. Now, I understood why Judge added all the coaches that he added. The idea was to not overwhelm a guy and spread a guy too thin and make, but while still making sure that all the bases were covered. But um, here's the problem. You can't expect 25 different people to see things the same way, to be on the same page every time. So if you're sitting in a, in a meeting room and you've got all 25 or whatever the number is of your coaches around you, and you ask them, you know, you hold up, for example, I, I don't know, let, let, let's say, you know, you hold up this pen and you say, okay, guys, what color is this pen? You're going to get different opinions. You're going to say, you're going to get some people say, 
oh, it's blue. Some people are going to say, you know, it's sky blue. Some people might say it's, it's purple. You know, you're going to get different answers is what I'm getting at. And that to me can potentially cause a, um, a delay in reaching a consensus, which may or may not affect what you're trying to accomplish um, as far as, you know, football decisions that need to be made. So I see why Judge did it. You know, he's still a relatively young head coach, a new head coach. And who knows, perhaps in time, he, he'll realize he doesn't need to have a whole army around him and he'll scale it back. But right now, I, I think I would agree with you. I mean, even though I see the purpose behind it, I, I think it's quite a lot of voices and I just don't know if that's a benefit right now. I, I, I would question that without, you know, and I'm saying that and I should preface this by saying, I don't know how the dynamics works in the, the uh, meeting rooms. I don't know, um, you know, how often are all of them sitting together in the same room? I think the way it works is all the defensive assistants sit in one room, the offensive assistants sit in another and the coordinators kind of run the meetings with everybody kind of reporting back to Joe. But yeah, I, I to me, I've always been of, of the opinion, keep it simple. You know, it's great if you can manage a large staff, but sometimes it can just complicate things. And I don't know if that's the case here, but uh, it, it's something that crossed my mind for sure. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show, but first, Just a reminder that this episode is brought to you in part by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, refresh, recharge, and enjoy an endless array of menu options sure to satisfy any diet, any taste, any mood you happen to be in. So the next time you're feeling peckish, Stop on by your local McDonald's, see what they have to offer. McDonald's, I'm loving it. All right, Giant fans, we have a special edition of Twitter Tuesday on a Friday. Hey, why not? Why not mix it up, right? But um, yeah, my favorite show of the week. I've got your questions in front of me. And we just finished our Twitter questions. Now we're going to turn our attention to questions that were submitted via email. We're going to kick this segment off with a question from Dennis L who wants to know with another losing losing season in the near future where do we go from here do we lose the whole regime does judge stay is Daniel Jones our guy all right Dennis um I'd like to say that I have an answer for you right now but I think a lot is going to depend on the rest of the season for example if by some reason, Joe Judge loses the locker room. And I don't see that happening. But if he has a, a meltdown where he loses the locker room, then I could see maybe them making a move there. That said, if all things stay equal and they continue on the same path, what I think is going to happen, Joe Judge will be back. You may see some changes to the coaching staff, probably on the offensive side of the ball, uh, maybe a couple on the defensive side as well. Um Is Daniel Jones the guy? I think they are probably, if I had to put a percentage on it, 90% sure that he is indeed the guy. And, you know, I I don't think Daniel has really done anything to prove that he's not the guy as far as, 
you know, his consistency. You know, I made this point on another podcast that, you know, with a quarterback, the progress is never linear. So it's not like, you know, it's a straight line up or a straight line down. Um, if you see peaks and valleys, that's kind of normal. You want to see more peaks, obviously, than valleys, um, which I think Jones has shown. Um, regarding Dave Gettleman, that's the question that I'm not 100% sure how they would go. Now, if you are management and you're looking for a reason to keep Dave, you can point to the injuries because every team has injuries though. And that's why I would be a little reluctant to point to that. What I would look at with Dave Gettleman as to whether or not he stays or goes is has he overvalued some of the players on the roster? You know, you can make the argument that maybe he overvalued the offensive line, hence not doing anything about it. You know, when he had the opportunity, you can sit here and say to yourself, well, gee, why didn't he take advantage of any trades? Is he overvaluing, you know, Evan Ingram, who I knew drew interest, uh, Darius Slayton, who drew interest, did he overvalue him? So you can make those arguments as well. You can also say that, you know, did Dave Gettleman not make any trades because Joe Judge wanted it that way or because they're trying to save jobs? Any number of reasons. But do I think Dave will stay? Um, Right now, if I had to take a guess, I think at the end of the year, you will probably see both sides mutually agree to part with one another. That's just a guess. Now, if the Giants somehow turn it around, Maybe the, you know, we have the status quo, but, um, you know, I look at how the Giants didn't make any trades and that, that to me was kind of telling because they have made trades at the trade deadline every year and that they didn't do it this year. You wonder if something might be up at the end of the year. So thanks for that question. All right. Next up, we have Jordan Yu who I believe is from uh, the uh, YouTube channel. I think uh, he's one of our YouTube viewers and one of our listeners. All right. So basically uh, Jordan writes that he's a little too young to remember the last time the Giants were truly in the wilderness, which uh, would have been like the late six, the mid sixties, I think through the 1970s. All right. So that means Jordan's is about 45 years old. Um, and he he wondered, um, let me see, I'm just going through this email. What parallels can be drawn between that time and now? Um, okay, so basically, are the Giants in a new wilderness period now versus, you know, the, the original one back in the late 60s or mid 60s, I should say, to the, through the 70s? In terms of parallel, Jordan, I don't know that there's a whole lot other than maybe the the record. I mean, as you pointed out, you know, you, you mentioned your dad told you about how the ownership of, of the uh, Giants, you know, when both Maras owned it, you know, Wellington and his nephew, Tim, they didn't get along. They did not see eye to eye. John Mara and Steve Tisch, the current owners, they do get along and they do see eye to eye for the most part. So I don't know that you could say that, you know, there's infighting going on at the ownership level. The other thing that I don't think you can draw the same parallel is back in those days, Wellington Mara made all the final football decisions. And 
he kind of lost his magic touch along the way. These days, the general manager makes all those football decisions. So that's all on Dave Gettleman to decide, you know, what moves they're going to make. Now, obviously, ownership has to buy in on, on certain moves, obviously, but that all falls on Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge who work in, as a team. So I don't think you can draw um, a parallel there. Um, I'm trying to remember if the teams back then were injured a lot. I That I don't remember because if I'm being honest with you, when the wilderness years started, I wasn't even alive. And I was, a, so that would make me kind of young um, going through that period. I, I, I think, you know, my earliest memory, I would point to the fumble as being my earliest memory, which I have football. So um, I don't know if they had a lot of injuries. Um, I'm trying to remember how their drafts were. I don't know how impactful their drafts were. They might've had some issues with their drafts. I don't remember, but um yeah, I think overall to, to say that there are a lot of parallels, I don't think they're, it's the same. I mean, the Giants, and I could speak obviously better about the current dry spell that they're going through. A big problem was bad drafting, which left the cupboard bare. And the Giants then were forced to overspend on free agents, you know, the Nate Solders, um, the Olivier Vernons, and so forth. Those were all guys that, you know, had the draft picks worked out, they maybe wouldn't have had to overspend on those guys. And then what happened was the Giants got stuck in this vicious cycle where they had cap problems. They couldn't keep guys. They, you know, they weren't drafting well. It was just a vicious cycle that didn't break. Now, Gettleman did break it for a while. He finally got the cap cleaned up. But after last office season, how he put the roster together, I fear they're back in that cycle. All right. The draft this year, I think the jury's still out on it. I mean, Kadarius Tony looks like a hit. Aziz Ojalary looks like a hit. The rest of the draft class, I don't, you know, it's incomplete. They haven't really been on the field to, to make a judgment. The 2018 draft class, that one is starting to fade, you know, from the picture pretty quickly. Um, the 2019 class, so far, so good. Um, the 2020 class, um, jury's still out on those, those guys, um, you know, Andrew Thomas, before he got injured, he looked like he was developing into a stud, but you know, you got Shane Lemieux on IR, you've got uh, Matt Parrott, who's still trying to develop. So still a lot of questions that are unanswered. And I think that's probably been the biggest problem with the Giants, with their drafts under Dave Gettleman is you have a lot of questions still unanswered, you know, Saquon taking him at the time. I still say, you know, given the circumstances at the time, you know, with Eli Manning at the, as the quarterback and not wanting to have Eli Manning throw the ball 600 times per season. That's why I think the giants did that. But for the long term, I'm not so sure that was the wisest move to make to, to invest the number two, overall pick in a running back. And I don't care how good the guy was, you know, just, you don't find Adrian Peterson's every day. You don't find Barry Sanders's every day. Um, and we've seen that, you know, with Todd Gurley having in injury issues, Christian McCaffrey having injury issues, Saquon having them, you know, at this point, I wouldn't re-sign Saquon to a huge contract. I think the Giants would be foolish to do that, but let's see, let's see what happens. He's, you know, for next year. But uh, anyway, I'm getting off track here with your question. So 
I think it's been a combination. And I, and I point to the Giants' attempt to build up a winner where they basically spent like it was going out of style. And what I don't understand is it didn't work the two other times they did it this past decade, right? In 2014 and again in 2016. And yeah, I know in 2016, they got a playoff out of it, but they couldn't sustain it. So as far as I'm concerned, the strategy failed, all right? So I'm really not sure why they thought it would work this time. So far, it's not. And it's a combination of things. But uh, yeah, the the short answer to your question, um, Jordan, is that it's this dry spell, I don't think is the same as far as, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and the reasons. It's the results look the same, obviously, but I don't think the, the catalysts are. But thanks. That was a great question. I appreciate that, as well as everything else you wrote, which I did read. All right. Um, up next, we have a question from Nemo M, who wants to know, do you find it strange that the Giants stood pat at the trade deadline? Um, Mimo, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. But do I find it strange? Well, I forget who it was that wrote this. I know I read this somewhere, and it, it was a personnel guy, I think, or a from, former personnel guy who said that if the Giants are standing pat or if any team stands pat, they're trying to save jobs, all right? That there's maybe some uncertainty about the future. So that could be part of the problem. Another part of the problem is maybe the Giants thought that their players were worth more than they were receiving in terms of an offer. So they're overvalued guys. Or maybe Joe Judge just said, you know what? I don't want to make any trades. I want these guys that I have uh, because, you know, I have injuries. So I don't want to trade away, for example, a Darius Slayton to the Saints. I've got injuries at wide receiver. I need guys, healthy guys. I don't want to trade away Evan Ingram because I don't have an option if we if we lose him, you know. So maybe that has something to do with it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Every year before the trade deadline comes, I usually have a pretty good idea what I think they're going to do. And I usually pre-write something so that if it does come down, I have the article pretty much written. And all I have to do is just, you know, tweak some details and I can push it out and get it out quickly. I didn't do any pre-writing this year on the trade deadline because I just didn't think, you know, I would have been surprised and I didn't think that uh, they were going to do anything. So. That's my little secret to share with you guys. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, have you checked out BuiltBar.com? They have nine amazing flavors of nut and nut-free variety. Plus, they are rotating every so many days, adding special limited-time edition flavors also in nut and nut-free varieties, one of which is the Coconut Chunk Brownie, my personal favorite, which is back for a limited time offering. Anyway, Built Bar is the perfect choice for a low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy any sweet tooth. And when you visit BuiltBar.com, you will get 15% off your first order when you use our special promo code LOCK15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, did you know Bet Online is back and better than ever before, offering a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before? Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their updated site on your mobile device or on your laptop. And sign up today for your account. Use our special promo code of locked on, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. That's right. Bet Online offers you all the news, odds, information you need for any of your favorite sports, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the games start. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Lachlan Giants podcast. Patricia Trainer here with you and appreciate you tuning in as always to the podcast. And hey, by the way, an update approaching 800 subscribers on the YouTube channel, which means I'm about maybe a little more than 200 subscribers away. So folks, please subscribe, like the channel, help me get to a thousand. Would really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm so close to getting that lollipop and I really want to get it before the end of the season. So, uh, tell your friends, check out the podcast, you know, to check out the podcast, get involved. You know, I, I look at the comments you guys and gals leave. Um, there's a, a message board within YouTube that I respond to and post stuff. So get involved, you know, let's, let's build this thing up. I love it. I love hearing from you guys and gals. So, all right, let's get back to your questions. We have three more to do today. And this uh, next one, same with our email questions, comes from another Jordan, Jordan Z, who wants to know, um, let's see, he asks, when was the last time the Giants won a game on Monday night football? I can't remember and I can't seem to find this information anywhere. Jordan, I'm glad you asked that. I actually posted this stat in the preview on Giants Country, but and I'm just reaching for my source here. It just so happens, and I still have the page open. I don't know if you could see it. The Giants Media Guide. Here's the information. So to answer your question, Jordan, the last time the Giants won on Monday Night Football, goodness, my eyesight is going. Uh, let's see. That's the benefits of getting old, folks. All right. So the last time the Giants won on Monday Night Football was November 12th, 2018 at San Francisco. And it looks like it was a 27-23 win. All right. So that is the answer to your question. And again, for those of you who can download the Giant Media Guide, page 446, if you want to verify my source. All right. Thanks for that question. Um, all right, let's see who is up next. We have a question from William who wants to know, uh, this past week, there was a lot of discussion about the Jets offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur coaching the game from upstairs versus the sidelines. What are the pros and cons to each style? And what does Jason Garrett do? All right, William, great question. Jason Garrett, um, Patrick Graham and Thomas McGahee all coach on the sideline. What are the pros and cons? Well, the, the pros of being upstairs is you can see the entire field. You can see the all 22 and you have a better idea of how things are kind of shaking out. 
Whereas if you're on the sideline, you can see the all 22, but you're basically seeing everything kind of like straight ahead, as opposed to, you know, when you're looking down and you can see it a little bit better, you can kind of see the pieces moving a lot better, um, if that makes sense. So that's one of the pros of being upstairs as opposed to on the sideline. Now, a pro to being on the sideline is you can have a conversation with your players, basically an unlimited conversation, um, as opposed to if you're up in the press box, I believe the communications headsets shut down 15 seconds before every play. So that's when they cut off all the communication. Um, now, I know some teams used to use the telephone to call down. I don't know if those shut down, but I think there are time limitations. So that may have something to do with the decision. Um, when Joe Judge hired those coordinators, he basically left it up to them as to where they were going to coach. I know, um, I want to say, was it McAdoo or was it Sherman? It was one of those guys who wanted their guys on the sideline. And then there have been coaches that prefer to have their, their coordinators upstairs. So it really, you know, as far as Judge is concerned, I, it, 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 it's up to the coordinator. So that's um, what the Giants do. So thanks for that question. All right. Last question came from Matt L., who wrote to me right after the Monday night football game. So uh, let's see what he had. He had two questions. Why can't the Giants score against teams that gives up as many yards as the Chiefs? What is the continued inability to stop opposing offenses in the last two minutes of any hat half? All right, Matt, for your second question and your first question, I think it boils down to execution. It's that simple. You know, if a mistake is made, a blown coverage, um, so part of it is probably due to some certain calls, certain strategies. I mean, um, you know, is the opponent posing offense in the, in the last two minutes of, of the uh, the half? Are they running up tempo to where maybe the Giants can't substitute? I mean, there's any number of factors. And you're right. It is frustrating. And you would think, you know, they should be able to shut that down. They haven't. It's something they need to work on. And, um, you know, I know they continue to work on it. They continue to look at ways to try and solve it. Just haven't found the answer yet. And hopefully they will, because you ain't going to win very many football games if you don't stop that bleeding. All right, Giant fans, that is it. That's all your questions for today. So uh, thank you to everybody who sent in questions. Thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast, making us your first listen. We'll be back next week with all new shows. Uh, next week is the bye week, so we're going to change it up a little bit. I think we're going to do a midway review of you know various things. And I haven't decided yet on guests or format, but I'm leaning towards doing a review of uh, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, the GM, uh, just kind of doing some something along those lines, as opposed to maybe a, a review of the Raiders game. I haven't decided on that just yet, but uh, we do have the bye week. And I think um, for the bye week, we're only doing four shows next week, but uh, I have to double check that. But anyway, um, hope you will tune in. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend and go Giants.